Welcome to the Southwest Church of Christ Bible Study Podcast. My name is Dave Hess. Today we begin a new quarter in our D6 series. The title D6 refers to Deuteronomy chapter 6, which teaches us to teach our children and grandchildren about God and what He means to us. Today's lesson is called The Law in a Nutshell, and the text is found in Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 through 21. That's one of the places where we find the Ten Commandments. Today I won't be trying to fit the Ten Commandments in a nutshell. I think that the nutshell refers to the short time that we have together. I've really appreciated this study as it reminds me of my own childhood and a large picture Bible that my parents read to me. To me, the accounts of Moses and the law drew my interest just as much as the creation, Noah, Samson, Daniel, or any other well-known characters or events. As we study today, keep in mind how God's commands show us how to love and respect Him. God's commands also show us how to respect each other. In addition, a reverence for God keeps us from sin. Let's read from Exodus chapter 20, beginning in verse 1. And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above, or earth beneath, or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you or your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and mother, so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. When the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain in smoke, they trembled with fear. They stayed at a distance and said to Moses, Speak to us yourself and we will listen, but do not have God speak to us or we will die. Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid, God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. Now my idea is to spend some time 
uh, on the law. But first, I want to talk about the fear of the Lord. Let me repeat what I read in verse 20. The fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. What does it mean to fear God? We've all heard the saying, He's a God-fearing man. Yeah, old Joe was an, a God-fearing man. It's like a line from an old Western movie, a sentence that has not been used in a hundred years. Has fearing God faded into the sunset? I'm here to tell you fearing God is as relevant today as it was in the very beginning. In Exodus chapter 1, we read about the midwives, Shipra and Puah. They were instructed to kill all the Hebrew babies that were born if they were boys. The midwives feared God and did not do what the king had told them to do, but let the boys live. God was kind to the midwives, and the people increased and became even more numerous. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families of their own. On the other hand, Pharaoh brought disaster on his nation because he did not fear God. Matthew 10, 28 tells us, Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. In 1 Peter 2, 17, we read, Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the king. Fearing God is putting him first. Fearing God means putting him in the highest place. Fearing God puts things in order. God is first above all. We must understand this. Fearing God is also the beginning of wisdom. Listen to Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. If you get nothing out of this study today, get this. Fear God and keep His commands, for this is the duty of all mankind. Ecclesiastes 12.13 All right, back to the law. I want to begin uh, by reading Psalm 19, verses 7 through 11. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of all the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. By them your servant is warm. In keeping them there is great reward. Did you hear the words that described the law? perfect, refreshing, trustworthy, wise, right, joyful, radiant, light, pure, forever, firm, righteous, precious, pure, sweet. The law of the Lord is perfect. Psalm 19, 7. God's commands show us how to love and respect God. In Exodus 20, verse 2, God establishes his own identity. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, 
out of the land of slavery. He delivered them and required certain behaviors, which, by the way, were in their best interest. In verse 3, we read that Israel was to have no other gods before or beside the one true God. Verse 4 goes on to say that you should not make an image of anything to worship. I don't remember ever being tempted to form an idol or worship something from nature. It sounds like an easy command to uphold. However, when I think of things that I could potentially place before God, it becomes a bit more challenging. Reading on in verse 4, we see that God is a jealous God. What does it mean that God is a jealous God? Isn't jealousy sinful? Jealousy among us as humans most often involves wanting something that is not ours or being dissatisfied with what God has given us. Imagine that your neighbor gets a new car and you want one too. If you want it for the main reason of keeping up with your neighbor, it might be a jealousy issue. On the other hand, wanting your own car back when someone else has stolen it is not an improper attitude. We own the car, and we have the right to want it back. You see, what I'm trying to describe is how we belong to God and how He has the right to our worship and adoration. When we direct our affection to anything else in His place, we have stolen His glory. God absolutely has the right to want what is already His. In verse 7, the Israelites were told to be careful how they used God's name. We should always use the name of God in a reverent way, handling it with majesty and awe. Let me give you a recent example. A little boy was watching someone clean up a dog mess, and no doubt it was disgusting. The person doing the cleanup said, Oh my G-O-D. Explaining their frustration, the little boy said, You shouldn't say that. And when asked why, the little boy said, you aren't taking God serious. Doesn't that sum it up? We need to take God seriously. In verse 8, God commanded Israel to keep the Sabbath day holy. Verse 9 through 11 tells us how that works. This pattern follows the creation, six days on and one day off. Up to this point, we have learned the instructions that God has given on how we relate to him. In review, we know that we are to respect God deeply, making Him our highest priority and the only object of worship. Now let's finish our time together by looking at God's commands and how they show us how to love and respect people. Verse 12 describes a structured, orderly home where children are expected to obey their parents. But more than just obedience is required to honor your parents. To honor is to have high esteem. Children who don't respect their parents will rarely grow to be adults who honor and respect others. The parent-child relationship has really helped me understand how we relate to God and how He loves to hear from us. We desperately need that relationship. And verses 14 through 17 are pretty straightforward. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. In other words, you should not lie. 
You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant, his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. I read through those last five verses rather quickly, so let's spend a few moments on verse 17 and talk about what it means to covet. Covet is yearning to possess or have something. Another word we could substitute is lust or lusting. I have a couple of thoughts about this. First is learning to be satisfied with what God has given you. We don't honor God when we are never satisfied. Maybe we don't have because we don't ask. Listen to James chapter 4 verses 1 through 4. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire but do not have, so you kill. You covet but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. My second thought regarding coveting is the idea that everything will be fine if I just have X. You fill in the blank. If I just had a girlfriend, if I just had a boat, if I just had a nicer car, if, if I just had the circumstances in my life that the other person has, then everything would be all right. I would be happy then. Instead of trying to meet uh, your own needs, try meeting the needs of others. And then you will fill your desire to decrease. It seems rather innocent to want something, but when you get to the point of being willing to do anything to get it, you'll be unhappy. And you might even be in danger of violating one of the previous four commandments to achieve it. My advice is to focus on the needs of others and spend time praying about it. As we conclude our study today, I want to circle back on the idea that we have reverence for God and that reverence helps keep us from sin. What makes you feel in awe of God? Is it the sunrise? It is the, maybe the birth of a baby? How about the changing of the seasons or, or the way our bodies heal? How about the fact that Jesus died for us? Think about those things that cause us to stand in awe and revere God. Let me finish with the songs from uh, uh, words from a familiar song. You are beautiful beyond description. Too marvelous for words. Too wonderful for comprehension. Like nothing ever seen or heard. Who can grasp your infinite wisdom? Who can fathom the depth of your love? You are beautiful beyond description, majesty enthroned above. And I stand, I stand in awe of you. Holy God, to whom all praises due, I stand in awe of you. I hope that you've enjoyed this study as much as I have. Stay tuned for next week's lesson, The Only One Worthy, where we will look at Exodus chapter 32, verses 1 through 35. Thanks for listening.